0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Professor Robert D'Agostino, professor at Atlanta's John Marshall Law School, and the show is Do Facts Matter? And unfortunately, uh, in today's political environment, particularly on the left, facts don't matter. Uh, there's... a uh, interesting uh, reaction to what uh, was said by uh, one of the prominent doctors who's advising in fact very prominent. she's a very prominent doctor and expert expert epidemic and and she uh, indicated that uh, things were not as bad as the model showed and her reward for that even though she's one of the leading experts in the country was she was attacked by members of the left who seem to be rooting for disaster. I guess uh, the feeling is if uh, there's a disaster befalls the country, they can beat Trump, and nothing's more important than beating Trump. So it would seem that some of the left are just hoping for a disaster and just reject what the, the, the what the, many of the scientists are now saying, that the situation will not be as bad as they uh, feared in the beginning. In England, uh, that was that projection of uh, 500,000 Brits uh, dying from the, the virus. And what what's the new projection? The same person, the same organization, who said 500,000 deaths in Great Britain, they've now revised their estimate to under 20,000. Now, that's, that's less than 5% of what they originally projected. Look, I'm not making light of, of the situation. Obviously not. Uh, I've sheltered in place. I've been in my uh, my home. My wife uh, is uh, down in, in, in my home in Florida. In uh, fact, I'm going to leave for Florida this afternoon and try and go see her but uh, facts don't seem to matter and, and talking about that let's, let's talk about what the Democrats wanted on the uh, on the bailout bill the two trillion dollar uh, assistance for for the American population they wanted of course Christmas tree in there. They wanted money for what? Government unions to make it easier for government, a law to make it easier for government unions. Government unions, you know, when I was growing up, the highway was, well, you work for the government and you don't make as much money as you would in the private sector, but you had security. Now, if you look at the studies, and, and you can check it out, don't believe me, just check it out, that in fact, federal workers make about 40 percent if you include their benefits to make about 40 percent more than comparable people in the private sector so they have both security and get more money and the democrats want to give them even more ability to um uh, to to, to uh, uh, negotiate with the government and when you're negotiating with the government who are you negotiating with when a public service union is negotiating with a with a government entity, they're negotiating with themselves because they're voters. And they're negotiating with the people they have to elect or people who are assigned or, or appointed by the elected officials. It's not like private sector unions. And so the uh, public sector unions have uh, uh, done a lot to, let's say uh, – one would even go as far as say rape and pillage the, 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 uh, the, 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 the taxpayers, and the Democrats want to give them more ability to do that. Remember, initially, public service unions did not have the right to, to strike, did not have – had very limited rights to organize, and that was changed by uh, President Kennedy. So that's that's one interesting area. The other interesting area is they initially wanted to shove a whole bunch of money to Planned Parenthood, uh, the number one abortion uh, uh, supplier in the country, that knew more abortions are due through or or (coughs) referrals to Planned Parenthood than anybody else. And, of course, oh, well, women's health, women's health, we have to – well – most abortions have nothing to do with the health of the mother, nothing whatsoever, and nothing to do even with uh, the, uh, a child uh, or a baby who's who's born seriously handicapped, uh, maybe with uh, fluid on the brain and that sort of thing. The Guttmacher Institute, which is affiliated with Planned Parenthood and does... Surveys, in fact, the most accurate surveys about uh, abortion, abortion numbers, and the reasons for abortion, even they, affiliated with Planned Parenthood, can only come up with the fact that, uh, and they, under the way they say it, nine, nine hard cases, about 7% of all abortions are hard cases. The, the rest of the abortions are convenience abortions. The number one reason women give for having an abortion, I'm not ready for a child. Number two reason, I can't afford a baby right now. Three reason, I've completed my childbearing. Next reason, I don't want to be a single mother. Then I'm not mature enough to raise a child. A baby would interfere with my education career. My husband or boyfriend wants me to abort. My parents want me to abort. What about what? What, what about those reasons, which, according to Guttmacher, about ninety-three percent of all reasons for getting abortion has to do with the health of the mother or the handicap of the child. Facts don't matter to the left, and. Uh, Abortion has become the substitute for infanticide, although uh, the Governor of uh, Virginia and the law that was pending in New Jersey and the law passed in New York would seem to <clears throat> go over the line into infanticide uh, the um but of course, uh, most primitive religions—not most, but a lot of primitive religions—and uh, was par for the course. It was a like a sacrament. You 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 sacrifice the, your firstborn. You sacrificed a, a baby uh, to, uh, uh, to to the gods. Uh, I thought uh, for the Western civilization, uh, the story of uh, Isaac and Jacob ended that. But apparently not. Apparently, he's back with a vengeance, and considering the reaction of uh, pro-abortion activists and uh, so-called radical feminist groups to uh, pro-lifers and to anyone suggesting that uh, we ought to limit abortions or even abolish abortions, except for the death, except the threat to the death or the threat to the mother's life. Excuse me. Uh, it, it is a sacrament. And if you don't believe in uh, the right to abortion or, or the license to abort right up to the time of birth, uh, you're a heretic. And we know what happens to heretics. They get burned at the stake. So right now the left would just assume we pro-lifers get burned at the stake. And to tell the truth that in some surveys, by the way, show up to 96 percent of abortions are convenience abortions. Well, we take Gutmacher Institute at, at its word. It's a, affiliated with Planned Parenthood. In their survey of their reasons, 93% of abortions are convenience abortions. And I think one of the – lately uh, there's been also some surveys which hadn't been, uh, uh, I think, asked this question, hadn't been asked is, is, uh, do you prefer a male or a female? And, of course, in those kinds of questions, uh, usually the female comes out and the – Short end of the stick, the one the one-child uh, uh, policy in China uh, the routinely uh, the aborted babies were females. Uh, so I think uh, you know one has to be a little more clear-eyed about just what's going on, and and uh, obviously this this utopian leftism uh, which. Uh, is a religion and part of the religion they like all religions there are sacraments and the sacrament for the left i'm not talking about liberals i'm talking about true leftist progressives which are beyond liberal I mean, progressives have always been in favor of eugenics right i mean uh That was one of the big things that Woodrow Wilson, the Planned Parenthood, first organized. Uh, Eugenics was a big thing. Getting rid of inferior peoples, inferior races. I mean, uh, Hitler invited the leaders of the United States eugenics movement to Germany. And uh, he was, uh, Hitler was very impressed with them. And there was one comment, and you can look this up, uh, by one of the leaders, and I forgot who it was, that said, uh, uh, he really, uh, really uh, thought that, that that Hitler had the better of it because they couldn't in the United States they couldn't kill anybody who needed not to live because that would have been murder. Whereas Hitler was free to, to uh, terminate the lives of those whose lives were not worth living, and and to show that things haven't changed, there was a very interesting, um, uh, very interesting. Uh, Uh, interview with uh, by the New York Times. It was published by New York Times Magazine with Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And sometimes, as someone said, the veil slips. Let me read uh, what George Weigel said about this. It certainly did in a recent New York Times—I mean, the veil slipped— It certainly did in a recent New York Times Magazine interview with U.S. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. There, in the course of relating her surprise at the court's 1980 decision upholding the Hyde Amendment, which banned federal funding for for abortion, Justice Ginsburg had the following to say about legal history, social policy, and political surprises. This is a direct quote from Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg in an interview with the New York Times Magazine, quote, frankly, I had thought that at the time Roe was decided, there was concern about population growth, and particularly growth in populations that we didn't want to have too many of, so that Roe was going to be then set up for the Medicaid funding of abortion. Pop, now think about that populations that we don't want to have too many of doesn't that uh, reflect the eugenics movement and just exactly who are the populations we don't want too many of what group gets the most abortions per, per capita and that's African Americans, blacks the book Freakonomics also made that point that abortion killed Future criminals anyone who thinks abortion doesn't kill a baby not yet born just ignores biology ignores the facts it's not just a differentiated differentiate itself because the excuse is well uh, a, a baby's not a baby not a really human until it has a soul and an insolvent occurs co- at uh, birth and that's an argument that used to be used that's not used anymore now it's more frank yeah we're killing we're killing. We've I mean, got too many population, too many humans. You know, knock them off. Uh, uh, that'll be good for the, the the earth. But I say then, uh, the the, um, the national uh, reproductive, the National Reproductive Rights Action League, NARAL, had no comment when asked about what Justice Ginsburg said. Now you can imagine. If a Republican or a conservative said something like that, the out <clears throat> the outcry would have been incredible. So, but no, it just comes came from Justice Ginsburg. So, what the heck? She so wants to see people we have too many of eliminated or reduced in numbers. <clears throat> More convenient, convenience abortions are, are what what she wants, and. Uh, But it goes on and on like this, uh, the, the, ignoring the f- facts, ignoring the fact that the United States has reduced carbon emissions more than any other country, despite pulling out of the uh, I'm up against a hard break. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Professor Robert D'Agostino, from Atlanta's John Marshall Law School back was the show do facts matter and uh, let me let me shift gears for a moment and uh, talk a little bit about the assault not only on the second amendment the right to bear arms but also on the first amendment which is a very very uh, troubling uh, situation and you can see participating and the assaults on our constitutional rights first first as well as second amendment uh in various ways, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Citibank, Twitter, Facebook, Google, Yahoo, YouTube, Verizon, Visa, MasterCard, AT&T, Bix, Dix. Uh, let me read something for you. This is from um, a pamphlet from the Freedom Center, which is uh, Michael Horowitz's uh, center, and uh I'm sure David Horowitz. This is David Horowitz's Freedom Center, and this is written by um, Daniel Greenfield. And here's, here's an interesting thing. In 2017, MasterCard released a statement saying that in order to maintain its principles of, quote, tolerance, respect, equality, and diversity, unquote, it would no longer allow the use of its cards on, quote, hate group. Unquote sites that, quote, make specific threats or incite violence, unquote. It did not clarify the source of this list of hate groups, but the same year, Color of Change, a group founded by CNN's Van Jones, had rolled out blood money. Color of Change's blood money campaign set out to pressure MasterCard, Visa, and other card companies and payment processors into cutting off financial transactions, which means donations, of course, for groups that had fallen afoul of the Southern Poverty Law Center. Now, the Southern Poverty Law Center, of course, is uh, the leading left-wing hate group, and any group that they don't agree with, Let's say any group that's for traditional marriage, thinks that uh, marriage is between one male and one female, that's a hate group. Any pro-life group, that's a hate group. Any Christian group, that's a hate group. Look at the list for the Southern Poverty Law Center and and you'll figure out that I'm not exaggerating. Uh, Blood Money's list of, quote, white supremacist hate groups, unquote, included a black church in Harlem, ex-Muslim groups, the American College of Pediatricians, and the David Horowitz Cre- Freedom Center. True to the Southern Poverty Law Center origins, the list was a smear campaign populated by false entries, lies, and basic errors of fact. And MasterCard still went along. In 2018, MasterCard cut off the Freedom Center. It's David Hart, which is Freedom Center. Its message cited Color of Change's blood money list and falsely claimed that the center sites had, quote, content which is hateful in nature, unquote, and, quote, which may be advocating for violence, unquote. It did not actually list any content that was either hateful or violent. Now, that's interesting because, of course, uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center was asked fairly recently why uh, Antifa was not on the list of hate groups. Antifa, who had uh, precipitated riots, violence, beaten people up, uh, started fires in in front of buildings smashed windows uh, why they were not listed and the response from the southern poverty law center director and mr cohen was well that's not the hate that we're concerned with that's not the hate we're concerned with they're concerned with the hate of christian groups saying that marriage should be between a man and a woman you know i had um a, a credit card which was um chase the chase credit card and um Because uh, Chase and J.P. Morgan are are tied up together. Chase Bank and J.P. Morgan, the investment bankers. And J.P. Morgan sent a million dollars to the Southern Poverty Law Center, and I then sent the credit card back to Chase. Uh, If if J.P. Morgan is going to support a a, a left-wing hate group like uh, Southern Poverty Law Center. By the way, the Southern Poverty Law Center has been sued by a number of organizations for defamation. And uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, and by the way, the million dollars is peanuts to the Southern Poverty Law Center. They have millions overseas and funds in Europe, uh, forty million, something like that. Along and, and, and with the millions of endowment they have here in this country. You know, what, we used to joke about it that uh, Southern Poverty Law Center uh, they have a, a historically a lot of. Um, because of the civil rights and because of the, the Jewish commitment to civil rights, which was early on, they have a lot of uh, Jewish uh, contributors, donors. And so we used to uh, kind of joke that uh, and, and every time the southern poverty Law Center needed more money in the old days, they would send out letters to their donors saying, you know, the Baptists are coming. And, uh, and the reaction would be a flood of money from their Jewish donors who were uh, concerned about uh, – know uh, proselytizing and that sort of thing Um, that's not so true anymore but the the the, uh, it is it has become essentially a a a scam a a money-making scam for the people who work there Um, the uh, by the way once uh, mastercard took action against so-called hate groups uh, the uh, visa followed And you have a lot of statements from various heads of of major corporations uh, that uh, indicate their support for limiting free speech and certainly for limiting the rights under article, uh, under the Second Amendment, uh, right to bear arms. Uh, And it's really quite troubling. Uh, And you say, well, why, why, why do all these, uh, you know, Big businessmen, why are they? Why are they going along? Well, this idea of being respectable—they want to get invited to the right parties. They want the Hollywood stars to uh, uh, to, to to invite them when they're in town. They they want uh, they want Hollywood stars to come to their parties. Uh, it, it, it's partly a cultural thing, uh, a largely a cultural thing for a lot of them. They want to be accepted. They want to be the right. Uh, I wrote a letter recently to Covenant House. Now, Covenant House, of course, does a lot of great work. Uh, they take uh, teenagers, 16, 17, 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old, young folks uh, in that are on the street, get them off the street, get them away from the pimps, get away from uh, uh, the violence of the streets, feed them, clothe them. And they do a wonderful I've been a long-time contributor. I've probably been a contributor to Covenant House from its very beginning, so I'm going back 20 years, maybe, or more. Uh, and I wrote him a letter. and I said, look, I'm all for what Covenant House does. But I have a real problem if Covenant House is referring young folks who claim to be transsexual. In other words, they have a mental they have sexual dysphoria. They have. They really need some um, counseling, some uh, psychological treatment. And I'm not talking about same sex attraction. Uh, same sex attraction. I mean, I'm a. I'm an amateur biologist, evolutionary biologist, and I've done a lot of study, and I'm pretty well convinced that uh, same sex attraction uh, has a genetic base. Uh, it, it could be a combination of genes and nature and nurture, but it could be largely genetic or largely um, a question of environment or somewhere in between. So, so there is, I think, a genetic base to same-sex attraction, uh, most people uh, uh, who have that. So I'm not talking about same-sex attraction. I'm talking about this idea that <clears> – <throat> I'm XY and I can become XX, or I'm XX and I can become XY. No, your chromosomes are XX, you're a female. Your chromosomes are XY, you're a male. And so I was a little troubled by um, the possibility, I don't know if this has happened, I haven't gotten a response from the letter yet, that Covenant House was referring young folks for hormonal treatment or or, uh, sex change operations. Uh, sex readjust uh, gender readjustment now look hormonal treatments and sex change operations are terribly dangerous the American Health uh, uh, Heart Association excuse the American Heart Association uh, talks about the, the the effect on on the health of the heart uh, and if you take a look at at people who have undergone this these kinds of treatments, the number who, re, who who regret doing it climbs as they get older. When they first have the sex change, hormonal treatment, or sex change operation, you know they claim to be satisfied that this solves their psychological problems, and it doesn't. And some surveys show, you know, five years out or six years out, eighty percent of of those who who uh, had a sex change operation or had these hormonal treatments uh, regret it now the hormonal treatments you can reverse you, I mean, you can't necessarily reverse some of the, the health consequences but the sex change operation doesn't get reversed I was reading something on the internet the, the other day from someone who had the sex change operation and how much he regretted it and he and he, he reversed it had another sex change operation he went from uh, you know claiming to be a female uh, even though he was a male back to uh, being a male and what he regretted is that because of what happened the sex change operation he can never have children and uh, he, he regretted that entirely. Totally. he's now uh, married uh, to a woman and, uh, and he says happily married to a woman but he cannot have children and which is uh, you know unfortunate for him but Those people and those parents particularly who uh, pressure their children, I have to think that parents who pressure their underage children to hormonal treatments or sex change uh, 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 operations are doing it for their satisfaction. They want to show the world how progressive they are. They want to show the world how with it they are. How, how accepting they are. It, it's, it seems to be radical narcissism for parents to do this. And I hope that some states are considering legislation to forbid hormonal treatments or sex change anyone who's under 18. Uh, and I suspect because uh, the brains aren't fully developed, particularly the brains that uh, deal with uh, thought and analysis, until the early 20s I guess for males it may be 24 females 22 they really can't make those judgments Uh, and obviously if you think you're a female when you're really a male or think you're a male when you're really a female you've got problems and these are psychological problems and I'm not talking about same sex attraction I want to make that emphasize that to you I do think there are some people who have same sex attraction and they know it when they're 8 years old and there's some people who who have same sex attraction, and they figure it out when they're 18. And there's a lot of people, according to a Yale study, that have some same sex attraction during their teenage years, and then outgrow it. And in the 20s, they're getting married, having kids, and they outgrow that. So for some, it's a phase. But still, there's probably three uh, percent of uh, uh, of the people who are actually. Uh, homosexual. Lesbian or gay, they're homosexual, and they're not going to change, they're not going to outgrow it. We're up against a hard break. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. It's Professor Robert D'Agostino, and I'm back with Do Facts Matter. And uh, we're talking about uh, how the left is essentially imposing their values uh, on uh, a lot of big businesses. And uh, people are losing their jobs. People are uh, uh, being, in fact, physically attacked for, uh, for having uh, views that uh, don't c- uh, comply with, uh, with the left. And, and this reminds me, of course, of Saul Alinsky. The Democrat Party is now the party of Saul Alinsky, Saul Linsky, aside from the rules for the rules for radicals, made the point that one of the most important things you can do or an activist can do if they want to change fundamentally change a society is, is increase the level of anger. Encourage anger. Encourage anger between groups, enc- which then, of course, means encouraging violence. Because when you get angry enough, you get violent. So the encouragement of anger is one of the most important factors in, in, uh, in, in, in changing society. And of course, the Democrat Party is now a party of anger. I mean, what's identity politics all about except getting one group angry at another group? It, <clears throat> identity politics means you've got to find victims and you've got to find uh, oppressors. Uh, of course, the... Uh, Democrats have decided the oppressors are uh, white men although it's kind of strange they have uh, (laughs) the two serious candidates for the presidential nomination are both old white men not only white men but they're old white men uh white men of a different generation uh one of whom uh Joe Biden you know I was um uh, this is Silead. I was in uh, in Delaware. I lived in Delaware for a long time, and Joe Biden was a senator from Delaware for most of the time I was there, except at the very beginning uh, Bill Roth was a senator for, I think, a year, and then Biden took over. And it, this is a guy – I mean, it's amazing that the uh, what career he's had. When he was a joke in Delaware, and he was a joke of people who voted for him. It was good old Joe. Uh, everyone knew that Joe was gaff prone. Everyone knew that Joe told a lot of lies. Everyone knew that Joe's intellect was uh, suspect, and everyone knew that whenever Joe got up in the U- U.S. Senate to speak, all the other senators started to leave because uh, they couldn't. They just couldn't take it. And uh, but but everyone excused Delaware. They excused it. And Why did they excuse it? Because Joe showed up and everywhere. Everyone thought they knew Joe personally. Joe Biden, good old Joe, came to my uh, parents' 50th wedding anniversary. Good old Joe was at the championship high school football game. Good old Joe was here. Good old Joe was there. So as a retail politician, he was really good. You can't do that as a, as a presidential candidate. You can't meet three hundred thirty million Americans, uh, or or let's say 150, 160 million voting Americans. But in Delaware it's a small state. Uh, it's got uh, one uh, person in the House of Representatives, along with the two senators. But you uh, you you can meet an awful lot of people in a small state like that. It's geographically small as well as population. But you could go through a list of of the 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 gaps and the lies. I mean, the first thing he said, and of course he backed off this immediately when he was running for the Senate, I was born and raised in Delaware. No, Joe, you were born and raised in Pennsylvania. Oh, you know, blue collar, blue collar, we a lunch pail, uh, Joe, uh, my family was, uh, no, Joe, they weren't. Your father was a, a, a manager of a factory. He was a used, he uh, sold used cars for a, a period of time. Y- you grew up very middle class. You were not. Uh, lunch pail joe so that was not true and then of course the the, the uh, uh other things Um you know my first wife and child were killed by a drunk truck driver no joe the, the truck driver wasn't drunk and it wasn't his fault the accident and he even asked you to quit saying that he was a drunk truck driver and you kept doing it anyway um so uh I, I marched with the civil rights uh, uh, activists. No, Joe, you never march with anybody. Uh, and it goes, it goes on and on and on. And of course, the big thing was w- when he read his life story, he ha- had a speech, and uh, and this speech turned out to be the life story of Neil Kinnock, C- C- the uh, labor leader in Great Britain and United Kingdom. That was his life story, not Joe Biden's. He plagiarized the entire thing except for the name. He put his name in there. That was a, And that he was running for president. He got caught with that. But then again, Joe also reportedly plagiarized a paper in law school. Oh, and that's Joe also claimed he was near the top of his class in law school. And the truth of the matter is he was near the bottom of his class in law school. So... And of course, the latest thing he was arrested in South Africa, he backed off that pretty quickly uh, when uh, Andrew Young said, mm, I was there, I don't remember that. Uh, so so there's, there's a whole history of, of not only gaffes but, but lies. And uh, I don't think, I don't, it, it seems to me that what's happening is the democratic establishment is using Biden to stop Bernie Sanders. They don't want Bernie Sanders, especially a candidate who not only claims to be a socialist, but praises people like Fidel Castro, that honeymoons in the Soviet Union, that has good things to say about uh, Chavez and Maduro in Venezuela, not so much Maduro as Chavez, and they feel pretty sure that he will not only lose an election, but he'll take down the Democrats. So they're using Joe Biden to to, to uh, stop Bernie. And I think they've succeeded. But the question is, can they really go to an election with Joe Biden? They're in a quandary. And what I think, and I said this before, and I think people picked up on this for, because you know, I was the first one that I know of to say this. That even if they allow Joe Biden to get the nomination at the convention, look and see who the VP nominee is. Joe Biden will not be picking the VP nominee. The Democratic establishment will pick it. And the VP nominee will be the one that they want to head the ticket. Now, since it's an identity politics Democrats are committed to identity politics. We know it's going to be a woman because Biden said so. So it looks like they'll have to pick a woman. But the the woman they pick may be the one that they really want to run against Trump. Maybe. Or maybe she stays on the ticket and they pick someone else. Remember, after the convention is over and the nominations have been picked, there'll be a, a, a committee formed that can make change in the ticket on the uh if if one of the candidates one of the other candidates is incapacitated and at the rate that joe biden is going i think we could uh, pretty well be sure that he might uh, that he will be incapacitated by sometime after the convention at least yeah. and maybe by the convention if you've seen the clips of him uh i mean one of the clips that was kind of a really uh Shocking is when he had a virtual town hall meeting and it was over and he did not know what to do. He stood there, he didn't know know it should get off the stage, which way he should go. His wife had to come out and say, "Big guy," and lead him off. And this reminds me very much of many years ago. I was out in Simi Valley for the uh, when Reagan, the five living presidents, and Reagan had it by that time, you know, been. Uh, Uh, sliding towards uh, Alzheimer's. In fact, he had Alzheimer's. And he was uh, capable of giving a talk, but not capable of not getting confused. And I remember Nancy Reagan coming out, and when Ronald Reagan fitted his remarks, she led him off the stage. And she had to lead him off the stage because he would not have known what to do, which way to go. And that reminded me of uh, Biden's... uh, failure to know which way to go reminded me of that time so i cannot imagine that the democrats will go to an election with biden heading the ticket and i but i also can't imagine them trying to stop him from getting the nomination Uh, gets the nomination then they remove him after the convention's over because if they if they try to uh, stop him at the convention Bernie's going to say, well, you know, I came in second. I got all these votes. I, I should get the nomination. And they're, they're really frightened of that. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, uh, you're back at what's going on today. The Democrats are busy politicizing this whole virus thing, uh, despite the fact that uh, g- g- even John Hopkins – uh, I shouldn't say even, but John Hopkins, among others, has said uh, that uh, Trump's uh, acting when he did has prevented a lot of contagion that we would have had otherwise and bought, bought time for them to develop uh, antidotes, develop perhaps even cures. Um, and, uh, and, 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 I mean, after all, you know— <laughs> The Democrats, when, 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 when Trump said, uh, you know, no, no travel from, from China, that was the end of uh, January. Uh, he was attacked by Biden for being a racist and xenophobic. And up until March, some of the Democrats in New York were saying, oh, don't worry about this. Go out, have a good time. Go to restaurants. Go to uh, shows. Do that. De Blasio, f- f- among others. So now they're going and attacking Trump. Because they didn't know what to do, so they, they they're politicizing this by attacking Trump. They should thank Trump, and and uh, uh, for, for acting as fast as they act. But anyway, getting uh, getting back to the main topic of my talk today, which is uh, the attack on both the second and first amendment by the left. Uh, obviously, uh, the attack on the second amendment is 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 fairly. Um, uh, Obvious, um, and uh, you get uh, Citigroup is one of the leaders. I mean, I, I have a credit card, I think, put out by Citigroup, which I think I need to get rid of. Um, the the uh, this is again from the right to be silenced. This pamphlet, uh, written by Daniel Greenfield, uh, and uh, from the David Horowitz Freedom Center. Bank of America and Citigroup's assault on the Bill of Rights was not, as some argued, free enterprise. Not only did the country's biggest banks wield abusive, mon- monopolistic powers, but they had employed their political influence to generate massive bailouts. $45 billion in loans, a $100 billion guarantee, against losses on toxic assets by Bank of America and $476 billion in loans and guarantees for Citigroup. Well, what do you know? I think now we're getting to the, where these uh, financial institutions are so connected to the Democrats. You have to look at the history. When Bill Clinton was president, he appointed... Rubin, Robert Rubin from Goldman Sachs as Treasury Secretary. Now, Rubin was, was and is brilliant. And, uh, and, and essentially, Goldman Sachs got in the saddle, and Robert Rubin started people affiliated with or connected with in one way or another to Goldman Sachs, got key positions in both the Federal Reserve and in the Treasury Department, and I'm up against the hard break. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Professor Robert Tagasino back with Do Facts Matter. And I was talking about all these bailouts that the Citibank got and Bank of America got and uh, as an explanation for, for why why all these groups uh, have become so tied in with the Democrat Party. And, and the reason, look, if you take a look at the billionaires in this country, and go 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 to the internet and say top ten billionaires, and you got to include George Soros, although he just transferred eighteen billion dollars to uh, one of his foundations, uh, left wing foundations, so he may not be on the list anymore. But uh, if you t- take a look at the ten top billionaires in this country, nine out of ten are Democrats. And I'll have the names for you the next show. I'll just go right down the list. Start with Jeff Bezos and, and, and Gates and, uh, and what have you. They're Democrats. Nine out of ten. Established wealth. My son talked about that uh, the protection of the ultra rich. What do they pro- be protected from? Failure, competition. And which party is essentially uh, corporate capitalist? The Democrats. We have two systems in this country of, of economics. We have free market capitalism, which small businesses, medium-sized businesses are subject to the to, to the competition of the marketplace, and we have corporate capitalism, where there's too big to fail, where these uh, where these ultra-rich folks uh, want a centralized government, want power in the center to protect them from losses, forty-five billion, hundred billion 100000000000 dollars. $476 billion in loans and guarantees for the Citigroup, that all came from the federal government. It all came from the control that was really, from modern times, initiated uh, under Robert Rubin uh, and the Clinton administration. And that didn't change under the first Bush, second Bush, excuse me. So you had the Clinton administration for eight years. You had the second Bush for eight years. You had Obama for eight years. So it's not changed. So one of the fears, I think, of this group of, of ultra-rich who m- only, mo- mostly make their money by manipulating paper, not by producing something of value. I mean, once uh, something of value was produced, Microsoft or uh, uh, Amazon, then the, the – they become ultra rich not by what they've initially produced, but by the acceleration in the value of their stock. And they just sit on the stock, and they kind of like you know rent seekers. They don't do anything particularly productive, but they get get richer and richer because their stock values get richer and richer. Well, hedge fund managers, uh, and and right now we have these the, the, the repurchase agreements. Uh, look, we have two trillion dollars going to. Um, businesses and workers and to see them, try and see them through this disaster we're at right now. How much money is the Federal Reserve pumping into the system? Four trillion. Not two trillion, four trillion. They're pumping in four trillion. And who is that going to benefit? It's going to undergird the paper shifting of the financial institutions something called re- repo which re- repurchase agreements it's too complicated to discuss right now but Goldman Sachs JP Morgan the other investment bankers are faced with tremendous losses and now the Federal Reserve is pumping this money in to prevent those losses from occurring as much as they can too big to fail this is all something that the left thought up. Too big to fail. Obviously, the government wants a limited number of financial institutions, big banks, because it's easy to control five or six big banks than it is to control 20 or 30 banks. Look, Georgia, being a Republican state at the time, suffered... Uh, from the bank closures, many many small banks were closed in Georgia, and some people thought that was punishment from the Obama administration for the for Georgia being solidly Republican at the time. So they were going to get Georgia, including the bank I had a part ownership of, Integrity Bank. I lost money, quite a bit of money, when that bank was taken over by the FDIC. Now, there, obviously, there was there was some. Uh, uh, Things that occurred with Lib- uh, with uh, Integrity Bank, they got suckered by a, uh, a con man on some loans, but I don't necessarily think they should have been closed or taken over, except that the leadership of that bank was Republican. Uh, it's like uh, it's, it's like the, the cars, the car dealerships. The Obama administration, when they had to try to close down car dealerships, if there were two car dealerships that were fairly close together with the same uh, cars, let's say Chryslers or, or Chevys or what have you, the one they closed was the one that the owners contributed to the Republicans, and there was a, I talked to one, uh, one former owner of a car dealership, a family car dealership, Chrysler Dodge Jeep, and uh, he said uh, very successful, and. The Obama administration closed them down, and the another car dealership, you know, Chrysler Dodge Jeep, twenty twenty-five miles away, which was not successful. They had lost money. The difference was the successful one; the ownership had heavily contributed to Republicans. The other one was apolitical, so they allowed the other one to survive, even though it was a lot less successful than the family dealership that they forced to close um so uh, the the left uses look the, the the left will use any tactic to achieve power any means to noble ends it's a utopian movement and the democrat party is the political wing of a marxist utopian movement the mainstream media is their propaganda wing. So MSNBC, CNN, the main difference many lies they tell. It's in further of a goal. I mean, MSNBC, some despicable uh, Joe Scarborough, I, the other day, he happened to be flipping around the station looking for swamp people. Uh, I guess that would affect, that would be offend the, uh, the left shooting alligators. Uh, even though there are more alligators than one needs uh, i can remember as uh, canoeing down the entire swanee river in 1971 and we barely saw an alligator they were endangered and then they got under protection now they're everywhere i i say that florida has too many starbucks too many mosquitoes and too many alligators uh and uh so you know, the hunting season is is, uh, is on for alligators in all those states. Well, um, I, that's just a side thing, right? And I got off on that for whatever reason. But uh, in any case, um, we taking a look at w- what's going on. We have a, a Democrat Party, which is the political wing of a Marxist utopian movement, and utopian movements always adopt some sort of a socialist or close to socialist economic system because they want equality. They're always anti-competition. Franklin Roosevelt administration, for example, the National Recovery Act, uh, where they uh, arrested a tailor for charging 25 cents for pressing pants or fined him instead of 50 cents because they decided that uh, 25 cents was unfair competition. The uh, and That's true. Go look it up. The um, So we have a Democratic Party, the political wing. We have the mainstream media, the propaganda wing for this utopian movement, and then we have the uh, intelligentsia concentrated in academia. And Remember, uh, Lenin always thought that the, the intelligentsia should rule, that the proletariat, even though they ruled in the name of the proletariat, the proletariat were not capable of knowing what's good for themselves. They were often suffered from false consciousness. So do we have the intelligentsia uh, who should rule, and of course that really appeals to the academics and the history and the English departments, sociology departments, and uh, anthropology, etc. Especially in the so-called soft sciences. And then we have the paramilitary wing, Antifa, and their allied groups, the various violent groups. Um, Black Lives Matter, the violent wing of Black Lives Matter. These are the paramilitary groups. So they got. They got everything that they need in place, they think, in order to take the country. We'll see. I mean, the answer is if the Democrats are able to take the presidency, keep the House, and even take the Senate, then they've won. Uh, we, we, we The Republicans will never win another election. They will make sure of that because they will then amnesty – 10 million illegals and fast-track them to citizenship. There'll be no limits to fraudulent voting. Look at what Nancy Pelosi tried to put in this bill, uh, so-called, this bill that was supposed to be confined to to, to helping people get this current crisis. There was a provision she proposed in there that would have forbid... Asking for uh, uh, voter IDs. That's right. Forbid governments, local governments, asking for voter IDs. That would have required same-day voting. All of the stuff that was in there was to encourage uh, fraud, or, or I shouldn't encourage fraud, but but to 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 prevent. Uh, Fraudulent voting from occurring. Uh, the um, some surveys indicate that as many as 1.4 million uh, non-voting, uh, non-qualified voters voted in the last election. Some say it's four or five million. I don't. I don't know if it is or not. But uh, you can look up um, on the internet. There's all sorts of opinions about how many fraudulent votes were cast, and we're talking about votes by non-citizens. We're talking about votes by dead folks. You know, the joke in, in Chicago is, my uncle uh, voted straight Republican until he died. Since then, he's been voting Democrat. So uh, this is this is a danger that, that faces the country. That uh, and if the Democrats take the House, the Senate, and the presidency. That's it. Uh, we will have a left wing utopian government. And uh, every utopian government, every time an elite group has decided to create a utopia, it's ended up very poorly for ordinary people. From the French Revolution to Adolf Hitler Adolf Hitler was a progressive, he had a vision for the perfect society. Lenin, Stalin, Pol Pot, Mao Zedong. Castro, Maduro, now in Venezuela. These are all utopian thinkers, and they're all basically progressive. After all, uh, Bernie Sanders, should know, I mean, he, he liked uh, uh, what was going on in Venezuela. And uh, he, uh, he praised Castro. And by the way, this idea that Castro, uh, you know, increased, oh, literacy, and oh, Castro literacy – Cuba was one of the most literate countries in Latin America. The literacy rate in, before Castro took over was eighty-seven percent. Look it up. So maybe under Castro it became ninety-five percent. Somebody said that way they could read the uh, their uh, their um, the, the verdict of execution. You know, before they went to the executioner, they, they could they could read about it. Um, so I, I, you know. I think the American people have to think through exactly where we're going and why we're going to go there. Uh, there is a threat to liberty, and, 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 and part of the threat is coming from the support of big business, big financial institutions, big banks. The show is over. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.